This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. On the podcast, we've recently been talking about church planting mistakes. And in this episode of the podcast, we speak to Phil Whittle about a church planting mistake in his experience, which is the idea of I'll take anyone. You can find the full notes on everything that Phil says at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 137. So here is Phil Whittle. Okay, welcome to uh, the broadcast uh, podcast um, where we have been uh, looking at the different uh, mistakes that we have made as church planners. And today, um, Matt and myself, so I'm Tim Simmons from Christchurch Manchester and with my brother Matt from Liberty Church in Amsterdam. Uh, today we are joined by Phil Whittle, who leads Grace Church in Stockholm. Uh, and so I realise that I've known Phil maybe for maybe 15 years now, um, actually, since we first met at um, New Day Youth Conference run by New Frontiers. Uh, and um, I've, before we plough into Phil's multiplicity of mistakes, I thought we would, um, Phil, you could, if, just tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to be in Stockholm, what you did before you moved there, how it's gone for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, thanks for having us. Um, so I was, a, I was a church planter in Shrewsbury, and uh, led a church called Hope Church, um, and then did that for I don't know probably about eight years or so, and um, and then it just became kind of obvious to my wife Emma and I that it was uh, that God was kind of preparing us to move on, and so we began to kind of uh, we've been asked for you know a few places we would go here, where we plant there, and it just as you kind of think about it, you just begin to kind of be aware that oh you know maybe it's time to time to move on and uh it was um and in that context we really felt that god drew us to sweden and to stockholm um and uh so we moved we moved into sweden in 2011 and into stockholm in 2012 um and we started grace church around our kitchen table with a group of seven adults and four kids um and now we're I don't know, uh, probably about, we gather around 50 adults and kids, 50 to 60, something like that. Uh, and uh, it's been a bit, yeah, a bit of a journey. We we started off trying one thing, um, sort of having a more kind of uh, house church network uh, across different areas of the city, because that's kind of how it looked like um, with, the, we were people in very different areas of the city um and then that kind of didn't work out and so we had a sort of a change of uh uh change of approach and we're so now we you know we, we started all back in our house grew out of that went into a preschool grew out of that and now we're in a, a venue in the city center renting off another church um and uh, we've been doing that for the last uh probably three or four months being in the city center so so we yeah and we've shifted from being kind of a bilingual church to being english speaking um so yeah along the way i've made a ton of mistakes and lots or or lots of things have happened that you think oh if i knew that now 
uh, might have done things differently. So, yeah, so that's where we're at. So we've got probably, like I say, about 50 people, um, but from about 20 different countries. So we've got no, um, there's no kind of one group which is a majority or anything like that. We are from, we are from all four corners of the world. Yeah. And you've got two kids, a wife. Um, do you work full-time for the church? you bivocational? Yeah, bivocational. I think I've, all, I've always been. I'm nearly always been bivocational. I think I worked for church in the UK for full time for about a year before moving, mo- moving to Sweden. Um, and so here I, I mix, um, I'm working now working for the church about 40%. Um, and the rest of the time I freelance, uh, editing and writing, um, helping, mostly helping other people get the books that they're on their heart published. Um, so often with church leaders and things like that. And my wife, Emma, she works in a preschool as a sort of child care assistant. Um, yeah, my kids, Noah is 10, Anna is 8. Good fun. Um, both are sort of Swedish-speaking or in Swedish-English-speaking schools. Yeah. Yeah. So you you were saying before we went on that your kids are now native Swedes almost. Um, yeah yeah they 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 um they make fun of they make fun of dad when he speaks Swedish. Um so I'm uh, I would I'd say fluent, but I don't sound Swedish. My kids, uh, they're fluent and they sound Swedish, so they blend in. Uh, they, they blend in perfectly. Incredible. That's brilliant. Okay, that's uh, just helpful to catch up on your story. So let's um, let's look at the mistake, and it's quite a long sentence. So, um, uh, uh, but I, th- I suspect if you're a church planner or a church leader listening, then you will identify with this. So the mistake is this. I will take anyone, anyone joining the church, because I just want more people rather than take people who are aligned with our vision and our values. Um, do you want to expand on that a little bit for us and tell us about how that mistake worked for you? Yeah, so so I think when you're, if you're a church planter, the first sort of question is, is like, where's the team going to, one of the first questions is where the team going to come from? You know, am I doing this on my own? Now, if you're if you're uh, a very skilled and, and kind of confident evangelist, that's your gifting. Then then you might go out into a church plant confident that you will see people saved. And then you can kind of train up your team from the from the kind of from the harvest. If that's not your great gifting, but you still you've got this heart and mission to go and kind of. Uh, start a pioneer a new church in a new place then gathering team becomes a is quite a quite an important question and so where are you going to get your team from um particularly then if you cross a cultural or cross a cultural boundary whether it's in one country or cross countries then you know just the pool of people that you might have available to to go with you and get team um is can be can be a bit of a challenge so yeah who's coming with me how are we going to get this get this thing going and so kind of within that context both in the uk and here you sort of you know that pool is not necessarily a large pool of people um and so you know you kind of you're like well i don't really want to do this on my own um and you want to come so you can come uh but you might then find out that that actually that person 
actually wants to be part of a church plant for different reasons or here in, you know, when we move here, so we were here in, in Stockholm and then people kind of come to you and they, they, yeah, we want to join. And then you just, you find out that actually their view of Christianity or key things for you and your vision in terms of just theological underpinnings are just quite different or very different. Um, on the surface, it might look like one thing, but actually when you go underneath, it's very, you know, it could be radically different. Uh, and so that just causes, that just can cause all sorts of problems. When you're more established, you can accommodate kind of Christians joining you in different ways. Um, you can absorb them. You can kind of, you've got a set culture. You've got some things which are in sort of set in the habits, the ways you're doing things. Whereas when you're sort of church plant small, early teams, then those people, anyone who comes to join has got much more kind of um, potential influence or, or potential kind of yeah. uh, say, you know, their voice carries further because yeah. you just six of you in a, you know, around your, in your living room or whatever it is. So I think, yeah. And the unpicking of that later is a lot, you know, it's kind of, a lot more hard work. So beforehand, I think it's much more helpful to go, you know what, this is, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. These are the gifts. These are the things we're looking at. If that's not you, you know, bless you in your search for another church. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, so I think just you invest in people, you kind of, your heart is the, Oh yeah, we just, we want to gather, we want to grow, you invest, you kind of give time, you do a lot of that and then you go, you know what, this is, um, this isn't a good match. Yeah. So it's kind of in one sense, it's, um, uh, time that process can be drawn out, can be time consuming, can be energy sapping. Yeah. Generally feels like a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Um, it might be a hard question to answer this because, um, you know, with this sort of thing, we're always talking about people. Um, so if you don't want to answer, that's fine. Um, but just what were the what were the theological or value kind of touch points that were important to you and you realized weren't important to other people? Yeah, well, I mean, some of them are not not always what. So they might be like, say, yeah, we, we want to, we're both, you know, have a high value of scripture and we believe in the gifts of the spirit and people might come along and go, yeah, we believe in, um, we believe in that too. Um, but we also have this belief. And so often it was the kind of the subcategory of things that as you start to kind of pick, pick underneath, like, you know, we think evangelism should be done in this way, or we think that the, we think, you know, kind of authority or leadership should look like this, or we think that the Bible, you know, you need to, you know, it needs to be this. And, um, and so often there would be a more, I guess, um, a narrower, there would be a desire to push you into a narrower and narrower space. Mm. I think that as a, as church planting, you've got to both stick to what you really you know stick to your core convictions but you've also got to hold them fairly broadly otherwise you're gonna you know you're pushing yourself down into a very very narrow space in which when people come there you know you're kind of like well you have to agree on all of these you know 150 sort of detailed points otherwise you won't feel at home and i think 
so there was it was often it was that kind of um thing that we encountered particularly here in sweden but um yeah that we encounter quite regularly there would be a desire to define more and more and more narrowly the things that you sort of broadly said yeah these are convictions of ours and i think that that's where it it often um yeah on the theological side of where if that was the presenting kind of issue then then that's that that's kind of how it how it looked and how, how it often felt mm. phil was it a um did you do you think it was more of an issue because you were building cross culturally, as in, if if you were in England or when you're in England in Shrewsbury, did you find it easier to read people in that sense? Did you find you you built a certain way with people, yeah. not realizing there were some issues because uh, of some cross cross cultural misunderstandings or something? Yeah, I think. Well, I think. So I think you you've you're definitely you're much more in tune to when people say something, um, you know, in your own home country, home culture, you've got a very much more, you just got a more instinctive understanding of of what they mean. And if they tell you, oh, yeah, we were from this church or from this place or so on, and you've got a better understanding of what that probably is, whereas you come fresh to a new country and. Someone says, yeah, we were part of this church and that thing. And you like, you know, to start with, you're like, it doesn't make that doesn't mean anything to you. So you have to do quite a lot of work to try and figure out when you say that. Do you mean and, and particularly when you're doing it across second languages? So so if I'm doing Swedish, it's my second language. And if they're speaking English, however good they are, it's still their second language. And so there's lots of terms and things you, you're you're kind of you, you're feeling you're feeling your way going. What do you you know much more than you would in uh, a, you know sort of home in the UK? You much more go. What, what do you mean by that? Um, so so yeah, that was definitely a um, definitely a thing. And and just your awareness of kind of the place of different streams and denominations and networks and backgrounds and also just the kind of context of christianity in sweden really super secular place where people have abandoned christianity in droves and yet there's a sort of a, a free church heritage and yet it's different it's similar but it's different and which ways is it different and all that sort of thing and so yeah there's a there's a lot more um there's a lot more homework that kind of needs to be done and and uh harder to harder to just sort of kind of place people where they're coming from when they say certain things mm. um and it would be in your own culture i think did that answer the question no it, it does it's it's helpful yeah mm. um i had another question i can't quite remember can't think how to phrase it best um i guess what i'm trying to get at is how how did you how narrow you were talking about you don't want to hold things too narrow and too defined. But obviously, you've got to pick a kind of mm. some kind of definition of how you're going to define people to. Sure. How did you have you come to any conclusion on the best way to do that? So, so I think so. Once you start to kind of articulate your vision and values, so um, and once you kind of 
create a basis for people to say this is what we believe if you've got questions that's fine um let's talk about that um i think in a early stages um where you're gathering people and you're sort of trying you're, you're saying okay so when we for example talk about leadership so obviously uh so i come from um you know church context where uh, leadership is both men and women, but eldership would be would, would view would be eldership would be uh, role for role for uh, responsibility given to men. And so, how do we work that out in our kind of egalitarian context? How do we explain that? And then there would be actually some people who would say, "Yeah, we want to kind of." So some people would go, "Oh yeah, we we like that, but actually we want to be even. We want to be more restrictive than I would want to." want to be so they would want to restrict the notions of leadership much more there's not many churches that would be complementarian in sweden and yet so then those that come to you they want to be even they would they'd, they'd always want to be more to a to an extreme and so that could play out in that in that area it could also play out in sort of uh view of scripture and the kind of translation that you use or in um uh, the way that uh, evangelism is done through a particular method, um, you know, if it wasn't street or door knocking or this, that or treasure hunting or we've had it from different angles, a, a desire to say, well, if you're not doing it like this, I'm sorry, this is so important to this so important to me that we don't recognize a broader kind of understanding of evangelism or the gifts of the spirit or leadership or, you know, a whole bunch of areas. So that just kind of um, both is quite instructive because it says something about the church context that you're in. So you kind of learn a lot from it, but at the same time you think, um, actually, I don't know if this pressure to kind of, you know, when you feel like there's a pressure to be something that you're not, to kind of accommodate to that, it would be is is always unhelpful. But sometimes people become a part of you long before you always find out those things because they're not necessarily sort of presenting top level. People going, oh yeah, we like all that, and then as you start to sort of dig deeper, you go, actually, we're not talking the same language here quite literally um you know when it comes to talking the language of church we're not on this we're not talking about the same things and that's when just having people on board as your team suddenly because you know what we it would have been more helpful if we had dug dug deeper earlier and kind of all been clarified much more earlier so that we would have avoided some of this um kind of more relational difficulty is we suddenly realize we have different visions of what this church would look like. Yeah. Just to uh, um, think about it in a slightly different way. Um, uh, when we've done these, I think we've tried to, and what I found helpful is just to reflect on myself and my own character and personality. And because that feeds into our, into our church much more than we'd like to admit, I suspect. Um, uh, and we're well, thinking about this mistake for myself. I know when it's it's been similar to how you've described, it's not really been kind of top level theological points. It has been the outworking of certain practices 
mm. and there'll be a variety of different ones. Um, <clears throat> and I've often wondered whether, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. What, how much of it is my fault because I'm an internal processor and because it takes me a while to think things through. Uh, and then when I, when I do, when I've thought them through, I'm largely done with the thought process. So by the time I'm talking, by the time I'm sharing it and talking about it with other people, um, it, I, I find it quite hard for them to then change my opinion because I've already done all the thinking. So why would you need to, um, does that make sense? So I wonder in, as people are joining you, because it is it, as short of interviewing everybody for hours and hours as they join the church to get into everything. Um, and actually I know some churches that kind of do it, almost do that um it most of it is worked out just in the way of life and friendship and relationship isn't it so yeah. you've got from your seven people around your table you've got another job and a family and and life you can't you just you desperately want it to be eight or nine people um yeah. so so how do you if you were talking to a church planter now who was sat around a table with their seven people what would you say okay you need to behave like this 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 will help you to get this stuff out a bit quicker. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, it does does make sense. I think I think in terms of kind of like how it works for us, I think that the the idea of like can I, can my mind be changed on something? And it's kind of I think that's a really good question. Is like what things are kind of are my core convictions about not just what we believe, but how things will look. So I think church planters have, so, you know, some kind of, I want it to look like this. This is a re- this is really, this practice is really important. Um, you know, um, and that could be f- from, you know, way of worship or, or, uh, gifts of the spirit or place of preaching or small, you know, loads of different things. It could be, I think it's going to, it's got to be like this for whatever reasons. And, but at the same time, when you're trying to gather team, and in particularly when it's small, other people are making also making big investments. They're also making, they're also deciding should they invest their family and their time and their 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 sort of you know themselves, their life with you. And so they also want to have a you know when it's early and it's forming, they feel like they've got a much greater stake in it. Um, because it feels more risky. You know, if you're joining a church of some hundreds or, or whatever it is, then your your sense of kind of investment to, to, to shape it is much is much, much different. Um, you don't you don't come in assuming that your voice you're quickly going to have. You, you're going to go, I'm joining this and, and I want to help this. But you're not assuming that that your sort of things you say are going to necessarily sort of around the dinner table going to sway the direction of the church. But when you're seven or eight or, or you can do in a lounge, that definitely feels like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like what, what is open for us to work out together as a team together? What, how are we together going to grow and build and work it out? And what are our agreed ways of doing things and, th- and and kind of convictions about about church now obviously people change and that might mean that 
you know, the, you change as a church or that there's movement. That's nothing. That's just part of life. But when you're forming team, it's like, yeah, what, what, what am I, what am I going to hold open and allow others to speak into and shape? And what am I going to hold and go, you know what, it's got to be like this because this is just something that God has put in me. And this is our, I don't want to, I don't want to compromise on that. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge for a, particularly when you're in the early stages of church planting, because the, the temptation is just to be all things to all men, because you're desperately trying to win uh, anybody because you just want to get another another person around the table or another another seat filled. Um, so there's there's a kind of a heart issue you need to address because I think most of the time, although perhaps things weren't clearly defined in lots of ways. I think a lot of the time I probably knew instinctively this person's a bit different from us in terms of some positions they hold, or you can just read people and think, Oh, I don't know. There might be a problem here a bit further down the road. And you then have a choice to make of, do I open that issue up and um, try and see if that is going to be an issue or whether do I just keep that one closed and think I'm just going to, put that in a box over here and hope we can just make that work. Mm. And then six months later, it kind of, was that similar for you? Did you, do you think there were things that you just benched? Definitely. I think, I think that that's a, I mean, I think that that kind of puts the mistake in a good, you know, like almost a nutshell, like that's, that's kind of how it is. You're, you're hoping that you will, that as you sort of grow and have more people, that these things will kind of sort of sort themselves out in the wash or won't prove out to be sort of big problems at all. And it will just kind of all just sort of stay there in, you know, kind of there on the bench. And, uh, and when they don't and you think, ah, yeah, actually should have, you know, would have been more helpful if that had uh, kind of addressed or I'd made some sort of clarity about, you know, uh, this or just kind of held you know, just kind of held it all a bit more lightly with that person. Um, but I think you're just often, you're, you're often in very easiest. I think, well, at least for me, it was that um, we will solve these things when we just get, you know, when we get to 20, when you have number markers in your head where you think it will be different when. Um, and I think that, um, or we'll solve these things or it won't be an issue if we were this size or that size. And um, and I think often it's very, it's just, it's really important to go, you know what, actually, this will this will this will stop you and it'll be a, actually be a hindrance or it will just be such an energy drain um that it will you know take a lot out of you for the next stage if you you know if you kind of ignore it um so learning not to how to handle it when you want to when you when you like to say you desperately want to just kind of have a few more people um with you when you when you're worshiping um uh can be can be quite tricky i think it's often that and often it comes down to our security. How secure am I in my calling and my convictions? Secure enough to say to someone, you know what, I'm not sure it's a great fit. Or, and not to let someone, or at least not to give someone more influence than is than you'll kind of feel very confident in. And I think that's often that was the mistake is like you think, I'll probably be all right. We need, you know, come on, have, you know, here, have a bit more have a bit more space. Let's just work and see. And then you go, ah, wish I hadn't done that. 
what how do you think uh, or, or do you think that writing stuff down helps because i think that's sometimes i've come across that challenge i think in the early days we didn't have anything written down really in terms of trying to define who we were and what we valued um so people would would come a bit confused and asking me what do you believe about this because i couldn't find anything anywhere yeah either online or just things that you would distribute in a more informal way yeah Uh, but i've seen other church plants that have you know almost from day one have had very clearly defined vision values statements of belief kind of laying out different doctrinal positions to the point yeah, yeah. It, it seems, uh, you know, you read it and you think, I don't know what, what would be the way in for anybody there because it's so clearly tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Have you written stuff down? And when did you do that? How did you do that? Yeah, we have written stuff down now. Um, I think we, once we started developing um, a website that became, because if you have a website, it's a public way of people find, finding you and, and they when they're looking for a church and they find your website um, and you want to help. And often I would say 90% of the time that's Christians doing that. And so often the challenges we're talking about most is the challenge of Christians from different backgrounds and understandings, finding their way into your, your church and, and, and being a, a healthy part of that. And so Kind of if you have it too. So once we started having a website, we started putting our uh, our values on there so that people could be able to read it and try and get an understanding of where we were positioning ourselves on certain thi- on certain key things um, and, and saying to them, these things are important to us without trying to nail them down to sort of, you know, to every detail um so there's that balance of broad and broad and narrow isn't it and um and i think but it, I, so i find it very helpful to have it now to be able to refer people to that and to say have you read it people are coming along they visit us and i'll just sort of you know be a question and say hey have you checked out the website have you read our vision and values we'll follow up guests that come um, and we'll just sort of point them towards the website and say, hey, if you want to find out more, please, you know, make sure you've checked this kind of page. And then in conversation, we'll kind of find out if they've done that. And we find that I find that very helpful to have. Um, and then I think a website. Yeah, you could always go into more and more detail. But I think if it's left too vague, then people from all sorts of places, then just not sure what you are. And they want to find that, you know, they might like the look of it. They might think, oh, it's a you know a space, but actually there's lots and lots of differences. So having some signposts to the kind of things that you 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 value, I find really helpful. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's um, a couple of churches in Manchester who um, they are going to before they even plant their core team will have an eldership team. Um, they will have thrashed out all of the things that they hold important. And I think there is an interview process to be part of their core team to go. And they'll send about 25 people. Um, they've done it a couple of times this way. And uh, they're successful church plants and good churches and um, really good leaders. But and they were telling me all about this and then asking me what I do. And I was like, well, uh, not that, that's for sure. It's much less. Um, and it's interesting. Our, um, 
we have veered away from having stuff written down, but actually our website now is, um, there is a lot more on it. Although I, I'm trying to remember now, I've, it's more kind of culturally, this is the way we want to do things. It, that sort of stuff is there. And it does, actually there is a fair amount of kind of theolo- theological stuff in there too. Um, and, but more it's around, so we found that actually that the, kind of around this issue of people aligned with you it is more our practice the way of doing things and um, so you're absolutely right most people that find us online are christians looking for church because they've moved into town or haven't been to church for years or whatever uh, and so for us because we have quite a particular way of doing things uh, actually people having a clear understanding of how we do that um is the um, like with the multi-site thing um, and we'd bring it through leaders quite quickly and people getting to have a go at stuff a lot of the time. Um, that is the, those are the things that are actually the sticking point for people more than um, theology. We, we have found so. Um, yeah. Very good. Very good. I, I like, I like the, um, the, the example you gave of the, the other church in Manchester. And I think that was like, if you have that opportunity to, to gather a decent sized team of, 20 to 30 coming from same culture and you can really kind of work through calling and gifting and 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 work through those those things through beforehand i mean i think that just sets you up very strongly to people then are joining a group of, of a you know quite already some you know not not a very small group they're joining um a sort of medium-sized uh, group more than just one small group 20 20 25 people you, you start to have a couple of those sorts of sizes and so when someone joins it there's a very already there's a clear kind of culture clear understanding of the way things are done people are you know a core of people are all on board and so when people joining that it's very clear to them this is what this is what it's like and so you're you're joining a clear culture with clear vision and clear understandings when you're much smaller than that, yeah. uh, when you're sort of less, say less than 10, um, you might have a clear vision and you might have um, a clear kind of some convictions, but you might not have made that, no, that might not necessarily be accessible to people finding you. But that clear, that way of doing things is not nearly as strong because you're, because of the size you are, because of the dynamic, I think, of the size. Um, and, and also depending on where those other people have come from. Yeah. So for us, our seven, seven people were, you know, it was a completely new group to each other and from different places. So that, so already you're forming, you know, that, 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 that shared conviction has to be built from right from the ground up. Um, and I think the more, if you start with a group, larger group at a different size then actually you've just got such a leg up on on establishing a church culture um whereas when you're just a few yeah um that might not know each other quite well very well then then everything's being built from the ground up and and that can that that takes that takes quite a bit of time yeah no absolutely i think um going cross-culturally as well uh, there is just everything is slower it looks to me anyone who i know who's gone and planted in a nation that's not theirs, it just looks like you add two or three years at the beginning that you wouldn't have in England. Um, and, or, or, you know, if you were planting in your own culture. Uh, so I, in listening to you, Phil, it's, 
I keep thinking, I'm not sure this. You could have done it any differently because the reality is you do need people. You need flesh and blood in the room to bring you some sort of life. And we've always found with planting, actually, the core group isn't necessarily the group that gets you. The core group is the group, maybe, if you're starting with very few, that gets you to double figures. And yeah. actually, it may not be the group that gets you to 50. Um, and th- that can be for, you know, for good reasons and for difficult reasons. It, loads of ways of doing it. I mean, I was thinking of the, the last one I planted in Manchester, um, which we're multi-sites. So we're planting sites. So it is, it's quite different. And I'm planting in my own nation. So it, it, there are lots of things that are easier. But even in, in that, we, we took a group of, they were 12, and they planted with me because I talked them into it. So the recruitment process was, please, for the love of everything holy and pure, I need your help. That, that was it. <laughs> so, and because the CCM is CCM, they, they knew what they were getting into. Um, but even then, that was it was a that took some time to form and that for that group to get up to kind of a decent pace um and to start growing it just it took time so if you're starting from really from seven people around a table in a foreign country i i'm not sure i can see another way for you to have done it <laughs> and what would you do you think if you could do it all over again what would you do differently what are your top three things i would do these three things differently um top three i don't i i would definitely have i think i would have definitely been top more careful um about kind of letting people have sort of their voice get to carry too much weight until you're really clear that that you've kind of got there's a there's a heart alignment um, yeah. i think that that sense of that we we are aligned, we we we've really w- built the relationship. So I think actually going slower um, to go further would be something that I would would do um, and allow that time to just to because there's a bit of more uncertainty of like what do you mean um, that I would have wanted to kind of just in my own heart go you know what that's fine. Let's just, if it takes longer than I think to do this in order for us to do it well, let's, let's take that time and not, and not, and not kind of rush. And therefore that requires you to be a little bit stronger when you say trying to say, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll, you know, in due course. Um, uh, so I think yeah, that, yeah, that's probably the number one thing I do just in my, in my own heart go, you know, what, I'm happy to take longer to make sure that we're, we're really, we're really good to grow together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the second one would be, um, having somewhere, some kind of basis of your vision and values is fairly early to say, let's talk from this it's not a complete blank slate so let's let's dig into some of these things off the basis of this so so we're probably not going to make big changes from from this and if you you know we'll we can talk about what that looks like how it's practiced and rather than shall we do it this or not should we do this or that it's like is this let's talk about what this looks like here in this city um probably those two things i think would have been don't know if I can think of a third. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Matt, any last questions? 
I have a question that's kind of unrelated to what we've been talking about. Is that allowed or? Yeah, no, go for it. I just, I wonder, Phil, how much of a difference did you find planting for the second time as opposed to the the first? Because I guess um, I I would assume you would kind of have come in with a bit of a, um, I guess, some experience, just a plan in your head of I know how to do these five things or whatever, Um, whereas the first time round, you kind of feel like you're either copying someone else's blueprint that you've read in a book or you're just winging it a little bit or, you know, receiving lots of guidance and help. Yeah. Was that, did it make a significant difference? I guess is what I'm asking, having done it before. Yes. Um, um, I see you want to say why it made a significant difference. Um, (laughs) We could just end there if you want. (laughs) Yes, it did. Um, (laughs) it, It did because, so one, a couple of things. One is like, Church planting can just be hard work and there are various sort of, so just knowing that you've, you, you can persevere through from a, from a church starting to a church of established with established, you know, that, that will survive beyond you. For, for me as a church planter, that was always my goal was to take the church to a point where it would, leadership was established the resources were there that it could it could grow and thrive more when I you know and and then I could move on um, and and so knowing you could do that gives you just a bit of confidence. Um, it doesn't everything doesn't feel quite as kind of like it's a big deal. But more importantly, just that experience of just being able to relate the things, even though you have to do a bit of translation if it's a different culture, but still it was like you know what I remember being at this point before and there are things to draw on and things to um things to just will help you just relate what's going on here oh there's this challenge and you've got something to relate it to rather than it completely freaking you out because you've never encountered it before which is um you know so just that just kind of calms you calms you down and um helps you sort of just know hey it's not probably not quite the big deal i'm i'm feeling like it is it will work out and we can do that and and just knowing that those sorts of things those would be able to relate it to this point oh yeah that's that happened then and you know this we did this and that that those sorts of things are just kind of helpful as you're trying to figure you know navigate your way through the various challenges so yeah definitely it definitely helped and i think as well just like you know, preaching and leading and organizing certain things and just the time and energy it puts in, having kind of put in a lot of hours before just builds up that sort of sense of, yeah, and doesn't matter how good I feel about it. I think, well, I, I know I can just do this to serve these, these people that I've, that God's given us. And, uh, I don't have to kind of, uh, learn, you know, I'm not having to just learn everything uh, from the ground up. Um, so, so all of that, I think made us, made a huge difference to how I feel leading through this. There would have been times where if this was the first one, I'd have been just, uh, yeah, completely freaked out. Um, whereas having been through some of those challenges before I'm able to go, huh? Yeah. Okay. That's all right. God will, God will, God will help us. We'll be fine. Yeah. Very good. Cool. We will finish there. We've talked for plenty of time. Um, So thanks very much, uh, Phil and Matt. 
uh, and we will uh, if you want any more information check out the broadcast website uh, and we will be back again soon thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode and just a reminder that you can find the full notes on everything that phil said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 137 see you next time